DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by Frank Dolce, Ute analyst and insider for The Zone Sports Network. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Best of State Award winner Smart Rain has an incredible Black Friday offer running for the entire month of November. Smart Rain is giving free controllers along with a free Apple iPad to commercial properties who sign up with a paid cellular hosting subscription. Please visit SmartRain.net or call 877-346-3333. Frank, good morning. Good morning, DJ. Good morning, PK. Hope you guys had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Outstanding. Had a good Thanksgiving. Yeah. It was good. Yours? Yeah, it was very nice. Very nice. It's my favorite holiday, so I really look forward to Thanksgiving. Did you come out of Thanksgiving as uh, wealthy as uh, Lincoln Riley and Brian Kelly? Not quite. Wealth in friends, maybe. Aha! <laughs> uh, I would trade that for cash any day. <laughs> well, yeah, those guys, uh, I mean, there's been, th- this was the week, I guess, uh, for coaching changes. Um, so pretty exciting. I, I think that the Lincoln Riley hire is about as good as it could get for USC and for the Pac-12 because the Pac-12 needs USC to be a foundational team, a team that's competing for a playoff spot every year. I think that is what Lincoln Riley means to to USC. Brian Kelly is is an interesting one to me. Uh, I don't know. I uh, maybe he's just been at Notre Dame so long that I don't. I don't. Uh, I'm not seeing the fit at LSU. But maybe that is. Maybe that is a good a good fit for him. So we'll. we'll, we'll I guess I'm. I'm uh, less optimistic about the Brian Kelly hire than I am about the Lincoln Riley hire. I can see that on paper, but you know, I wonder, I really don't, I don't ever really know because you you, you don't know who's going to be great, who's not going to be great. Maybe rarely. I mean, I think that we knew Urban Meyer was just going to take the world by storm and he did here briefly and he's gone on and had success at the other college spots. But other than that, you know, what what makes a good coaching hire? It appears that Lincoln Riley would be a phenomenal one, 38 years of age and charismatic and all that. But at the same time, you know, the standards that he's got to achieve, it's basically playoff virtually every year, or at least be in contention to be in, yeah. or you're not going to be considered a success. 15-0 and 0 or yeah. bust, Frank. 15-0 and 0 or bust. <laughs> well, that's not, that's not so hard. Okay, <laughs> I I I think that uh, I mean USC should be able to, to a, attract that sort of talent, um, and and I really like the way that that uh, that Riley utilizes his offense, his his, his philosophy, um, the, the management of the game. He, people do, people think that he's a guy that throws the ball around a lot, but he's he he's re, his offense is really based in the run. I know he he. He worked under the air raid system with Leach, but he doesn't really incorporate the air raid scheme so much. So I think he's a really, really good fit um, for for USC. I, and, and to your point, PK, I thought Kevin Sumlin was going was gonna to be the launching pad for Arizona, and we all know where that ended up. So you don't really know. I think on paper you're right. Lincoln Riley looks like it, it smells like the right – Thing for USC, and I'm less sure about Brian Kelly. And in two years, we could be talking about the complete opposite. Right, right, yeah. That's the thing about it is, well, 
the, the, the great thing is that even though we're not really sure, well, we will be sure one way or the other. <laughs> well, when you started, you know, when you started in the broadcasting game, I know there were a lot of naysayers. Yeah, including the guy sitting right across from me. <laughs> <laughs> you've, proven them all, you've proven them all wrong, so good for you. <laughs> Not all of them. Check Twitter. <laughs> all those are ding-dong fans. Oh, isn't that the truth? He's just a fluke. He's just a fluke, and he'll be discovered one day. Twitter, Twitter is, I don't even know what that is. It is the worst platform ever. It's, it's just full of hate and vitriol and... You, you you know, and that's the thing is that it's like Las Vegas. You win every once in a while. You win, so you keep going back, and it's the same thing on Twitter. Every once in a while, you get some you know some nice comment about something you said, and you're like, oh well, look, people actually like me. And then, but but then you disregard the 99 percent of everyone else who thinks you're you know you have no clue of what you're talking. Yeah, about. they can go to hell. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Okay, so I'm curious with Brian Kelly. We were debating this. PK says it's the latest. Correct me if I'm if I'm summarizing you wrong here, PK. PK says it's the latest in a long slime in a long string of slimy stories, bizarro stories, win at all costs, and it's just it's just one more. And I'm sitting over here thinking this is a new level. They've crossed a line that hasn't been crossed before. Have Coaches given up on kids and schools and teams? Absolutely. But this is the first time that a coach who's got a legitimate shot at going to the playoff and playing for the national championship has quit on his team. They've always quit on a team like Riley. Okay, we could go to a pretty good bowl game, but we're not playing for the national championship, so I'm out of here. Yeah. But this is a new level. If Georgia beats Alabama and one other team in the top four, you know, Houston beats Cincinnati, Baylor beats Oklahoma State. These are not massive upsets. Michigan losing might be a really big upset, but the other two aren't. Yeah, I don't know if I would consider Alabama losing uh, to be uh, the... A big upset. Well, not necessarily an upset, but I don't know that I would necessarily view them as being out just because oh, they lose yeah. to Georgia. I don't think so either. Right. Oh, really? I do. Either, I think yeah. if they get the two... Well, because they might have to include a two-loss team, then Bama could be back in. But I, I don't think two-loss Alabama gets in over one-loss Notre Dame. Before this, now with the coach out, that gives them that gives them a pass to do it. But do you think that Kelly leaving is a new step and a new level and, uh, and, and bad for the sport? I... To, to use a phrase um, that you're apparently fond of, DJ, is, I think it's a one-off. <laughs> <laughs> you're listening earlier. I knew he was going there. <laughs> <laughs> I I think I, Notre Dame is such an interesting place, and even with all of the, the you know the history and the success and the tradition, everything else, uh, you, I, I I don't know that. You've been able. To, Kelly's been able to really find the athletes. Um, certainly, a upper tier, but may, maybe not the same type of athletes that could put him, make him competitive on an annual basis for the playoffs. I think that's one thing to consider. Um, I think that's why Urban Meyer went to Florida instead of going to Notre Dame. Is because exactly right. Yeah. When he when he laid out all the cards, he thought, "Well, I can win national championships at Florida. I don't know if I can win right. national championships yeah. at Notre Dame." 
so I think that's a I think that's one piece of it. And and so let's say that Kelly goes to the playoffs this year, and is you know maybe his team is depleted next year, and then you know he has an average campaign. Does he have an opportunity to go to an LSU again? I don't know. It's just hard to tell. So you know you just can't read the future. And and then you know. I have the have the numbers been revealed. I heard that Lincoln Riley was be, being offered on the twelve to fourteen million dollar a year range for oh, yeah. LSU. And have, twenty twenty four seven at SC twenty four seven use of a private jet by he and his family, whenever you want. Them. And they're buying him a six million dollar home, and they're buying his homes in Oklahoma. Yeah, I think it's twelve double million double price. Yeah, but it's twelve million, and when you add in all the perks, then it's it's north of twelve million. Except that, yeah. and the numbers haven't all been revealed, but they will be at LSU because it's a state school. But Kelly's supposed to be fifteen million, and it's a total package of a hundred to one hundred ten million or something like yeah. that. Yeah, Kelly ain't gonna yeah. or uh, Lincoln Riley ain't gonna be living at the places he goes to recruit. Let's just put it that way. Clearly, no, <laughs> no, no. Well, I, I just think that. It's, you know, I I like to you know loyalty is a lot different when when you're talking about similar packages in terms of compensation, but it, it loyalty becomes very really difficult, and I guess everybody has a price, and you know, fifteen million dollars a year, and I'm certain a, a big portion of that is some kind of guarantee. I, I mean that is that's what wealth that that goes down through kids and grandkids and maybe even further. So, you know, yeah. I, I, it's very difficult to, to pass that up. So I think there's probably a couple things in play there. One, LSU probably gives Kelly a better chance at winning a national championship during his career. And two, it's just really hard to pass up that kind of, um, For sure. that kind of money. Yeah, I mean, but we were dealing with sports in a sport where coaches take a job in January, and then before the season starts in spring practice, they've taken another job. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. What's left? Yeah, it's it's crazy. I'm curious about like I know I know Coach Winningham has been on some of those short lists. Yes. Um, and I'm really curious. Maybe maybe you know, PK if if. Coach Witt's been in a position to pass up that kind of maybe he's just kind of that guy that you know the the money is just a smaller factor for him in considering where well, he wants to spend. I mean, his I, career, I think he has generational he wealth, up. and so I know he's taken his money here and he's invested in a lot of different things that allow him to make more money and give him plenty of money. But the, he's a different breed in that way, and that he and it sounds cliche and, and trite, and I'm, people are saying, oh, you like him, so you're going to defend him in this way. But for him, uh, such a low-maintenance dude, that in, one of his best, his greatest accomplishments is that all of his children went through the same grade school, junior high and high school, and, and university for that matter, and he didn't have to move around all. I mean, he loves to say that, and that's important to him. So, yeah, you know, as, a, as a football coach, yeah, a big-time football coach, that just doesn't happen. Exactly. So to me, as I view it, that was worth the money that he could have gotten other places. Yeah. And then with them going into the Pac-12, that was given a ticket to the big time. Well, maybe the next big question is: I heard the you know the spot on the Ute update about how Coach Witt 
really enjoyed the team sending out the seniors the right way. The last, you know, their last game at uh, Rice Eccles was that Coach Witt's last game at Rice Eccles. No. If I had to guess, I would say the answer is no. He got that uh, question at the press conference Monday. And, you know, a a lot of coaches have told us a lot of stuff, and it's turned out not to be true. So be careful about, you know, pushing all your chips to the middle on any one thing. Well, he reserves the right to change his mind. Absolutely. 100% on that. But, you know, I think he'll be back next year. I do, too. With or without the Rose Bowl? With or without. I I think that... uh, this this team wasn't wasn't necessarily supposed to be the team that competed for uh, a Rose Bowl opportunity. No, next year. I think it's next year. Yeah. yeah, it is. So that's I think that's compelling for for a coach. But my and 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 you know if if things don't go really well next year, I don't know that it really diminishes his legacy. If you, I, I, I think we were adding this up. The other day, and if you look across his career as as a football coach, and specifically his time at Utah as a defensive coordinator and as a head coach, that is that's an unbelievable list of accomplishments. And one day, you know, one day as fans, we'll sit back and recognize that we won't get caught up in the you know. He's, he's one and two to start the season. What's happening to this football team? It's falling apart, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one day we'll look back and really take a look at his list of accomplishments and realize well, what, how yeah. meaningful well, it'll he be, was. Well, it'll the be the first two or three five and seven seasons in a row. I was, I was going <laughs> to say it'll be when, when the schools missed on three straight head coaches like they have in basketball. Because now Majerus' oh. run, we're, we're lost out on all the – the weirdness, right? The the year that he didn't coach the whole season and there were three different press conferences to explain three different reasons why he was going away. And we kept getting summoned to the Huntsman Center for Rick's farewell press conference. My heart, my knee, my mom. But we don't care about that right now. Right now we're looking at... Right now we're looking at, wow, he, look at all the Sweet 16s the guy went to. He went to three in a row. They've only been to three tournaments since he left. He went to three Sweet Sixteens in a row, and we're forgetting all the other stuff. Yeah, I I think you know, and I happened to be on campus when Coach Majerus was on campus, and um, and I'll I'll nice relationship with him. I mean, I got lucky. I just I just happened to bump into him in in the office one day, and and I just had an opportunity to build a nice little relationship with him. Um, and, and he, I, I took some, I, I was taking some shots, um, in the middle of one football season and he was, he came to my rescue in a way. And I'll never, I'll never forget that. If, if he didn't have all of the, if he didn't have all of the weird stuff surrounding him and there was, I mean, there, there was some weird stuff. Um, if he didn't have all of that surrounding him, um, I think he would be even more respected, not just in the community, but more respected nationally. His accomplishments at Utah are unprecedented. I mean, I just think that the way that he managed that basketball program, and, and you, you made the point, we, we haven't seen it since his time. And who knows if Utah will ever get back to that level. But he was an unbelievable, unbelievable presence on campus, no question about it. 
Yeah, and Kyle will go and he'll get that and he'll get his due. I, I think he gets the Rose Bowl this year, maybe next year, maybe the playoff next year. I mean, this. I, I'm I'm glad that the playoff play may, might be maybe. I mean, I'm not going to rule it playoffs. out. I mean, they, a couple years back they were right into it. And he just until, wants to say it till the end. I got it. I just wanted to say. <laughs> I, I understand that. I I, I, I rode. Uh, when the Utes were playing the Bruins, uh, when Jim Moore Jr. was the coach there, I was at the uh, Spring Hill Suites in Manhattan Beach there, and coming down the morning after the game was Jim Moore Sr. in the elevator, and it is all I could do to ask him about the playoffs, but I, but I didn't. <laughs> I would thank him for well, that. I, just, I, that's brought so much joy and pleasure. We all love doing it, and we all laugh when we do it. Yeah, Every time. I'm glad he did it. I... I love to think about Coach Whittingham taking a team to the playoffs, but for the Pac-12, it's not the you, you know SEC teams get in the playoffs with with one loss, maybe two losses. Uh, you could take a Big Ten team with one loss into the playoffs, but are are they? I know they were considering Oregon, and Oregon was up there at number three with one loss, but I don't really think the committee ever thought Oregon was the number three team. I thought. I think the committee thought Oregon was going to take another loss, and we can push yeah. him out of the playoff picture. You're going to you're going to have to go undefeated in the Pac-12 to get in the playoffs. Is that, uh, is that not if there's two lost teams yeah. everywhere else? Maybe, like maybe there maybe are this one year. Loss, but but if for no other reason, they return a ton of people next year, and they got five guaranteed wins in the South because the South sucks. For USC's turning it on a dime. <laughs> All right, before yeah. we go, so it's it's Oregon and. We know what happens if the Utes play well and if Oregon plays average or poorly. The thing the Utes <laughs> yeah. can't control is, is Oregon going to come with their A game this time? Because nobody believes that was their A game. And the Utes, can they bring their A game again? Well, yeah, I, that is the big question. But, I, but I've watched both of these teams play all year long. Uh, I have seen Oregon uh, look pretty good at times, but I would say this about both teams. If Oregon brings their A game and Utah brings their A game, I pick Utah. I, I think Oregon is still flawed. I, was still, I, I still feel like they should have taken a loss earlier in the season outside of the Utah game. So I feel like it, maybe this matchup is much more what we thought it would be the first time around, like, you know, a 27-24-31-28 kind of a game, super competitive at the line of scrimmage. I don't think Oregon – certainly Oregon didn't play their best, and Utah played, played really well uh, and was able to get the running game going. So that's something something to consider. But uh, if both game if both teams are at their best, I still give the edge to Utah. I think Utah is a better team overall this year, and Utah's played better for a longer stretch this, this football season. Uh, it, but you know, it's it's the same thing on the other side. If Utah doesn't, if Utah's average, then they're just going to get run out of the stadium because I still think that uh, athletically. Oregon probably brings the most to the table. But but in an even matchup, clean game, number ones, number ones, everybody playing at their top level, I 
I give Oregon. I, I mean, I give Utah the the edge in that game. Yeah, I give it on quarterback. Quarterback alone is good enough for me. I agree 100%. I, I like Brown, and he certainly showed something different against Oregon State, but Oregon State's terrible defense. And, you know, going 23 of 28, that's impressive. Um, but under different circumstances, meaning under duress, um, when the game is on his shoulders to throw the ball downfield, I don't think he – I don't think he comes up with with the right play, with the right combination. I he did hit some fantastic passes against Utah, no question. But he also threw a bunch of terrible passes against Utah, so, and I think that's more of the of what he is as a quarterback. Um, so same, you know, same game plan for Utah: contain the quarterback, keep him in front of you. Can't let him get the quarterback run game going eliminate as much as you can Oregon's run game, which I think they will be much more committed to this time around. And you have to, you have to force Brown to beat you through the air. And if he beats you through the air, then, you know, you just kind of have to take that loss. Um, but if you can do all those things, I think you give yourself a really good chance at, at winning it. Oh, the best number for the Utes from that first game was 63 yards rushing. That was phenomenal. Phenomenal that they held the Ducks to 63 yards. Yeah, and if they do that again, I don't care who's a quarterback. The Utes are winning the game. Yeah, I I think so too. If they hold if they hold Oregon to an under 100 yard effort on the ground again, then then uh, then you know I would it would be very hard for me to say that Utah doesn't come out on top in in that football game. I, I'm curious to see how Moorhead manages it. I thought he abandoned the run a little bit um, in in game one. So we'll see if he's if he sticks sticks with it a little bit more. And and by the way, you know this is probably a kind of a job interview for Moorhead. Uh, I I think he's looking around for for where he's going to land next year, and he's going to have some opportunities. So we'll we'll see how he manages the game offensively for Oregon. It should be interesting. Fresno State's a good job, and it's open now. So, all right. Well, we'll see if that. Uh, I guess what you're saying, Frank, is that that first Utah Oregon game was not a one off. <laughs> that was not, well, it was it was a one-off for Oregon. I think they'll play much better <laughs> in this game. But I still believe, based on all that I've seen out of both teams, that a game versus a game, I I give uh, the game to Utah. Thanks, Frank. We appreciate it. Man, it's great to catch up with you guys. Have a great week. We'll talk to you soon. Frank Dolce. Ute analyst and insider for the Zone Sports Network, Dylan Cauley, former BYU wide receivers, coming up at 9 o'clock to talk Cougars right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. For Kyle Whittingham and the Utes, it all comes down to this. It's the Pac-12 championship game in Las Vegas as the Utes look to claim their first ever Pac-12 title. The Zone Sports Network will be in Las Vegas with nonstop blowout-the-budget coverage of the Utes as they battle Oregon for a spot in the Rose Bowl. Your home for the best coverage of the Utes in the Pac-12 championship game is right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Join hands with Scotty G Friday at the warehouse from noon to three. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. I can give you a boom. I'm back. Go ahead. I just did. You don't, man, you really don't pay attention to anything I said. You said you could give us a boom. And I did. That was a boom. Boom. There. And you always need it. Well, you're a Hall of Famer. What the hell? I'm not. (laughs) You're just a few booms away.
Nah, I'll decline. Question of the day. And we have been talking about this because the news of Brian Kelly is going to uh, LSU blowing everyone's mind. With all these wild coaching moves, what is becoming of college football? Larry says college football is more about the money than the actual sport. Kids are told to buy into a program. It's all about the name on the front of the uniform, not the back. B.S. You just get stabbed in the back by their coach. Coach is going to abandon the team at the drop of a hat, but kid has to sit out of here to transfer. What a joke. My, how the system is broken. Well, they don't have to sit out a year to transfer anymore. Nope, that rule's been changed. uh, And they don't stab you in the back. They go right to the heart. (laughs) Right in the face. They want to look you in the eyes. Yeah. Soprano style. (laughs) Yeah, they don't make no bones about it. It's just a dirty, dirty business. And it amazes me the passion. I'm grateful for that they have it because I make money off of it myself. But it amazes me the passion that the fans have for these programs. And maybe we are a little different here. I, but not to pick on Blake Anderson, but the countdown's on. He's good. Someone's <laughs> yeah. going to come calling yeah. for a lot of money. And I don't blame him. So when he leaves and how he leaves matters. Ultimately, it doesn't. But you know my point. Well, yeah, because you live where everything is Pollyannish <laughs> and it's fair. If he finishes the season. And all men are created equal and people love one another. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> if he finishes the season, there you is and your a criticism. granddad went to the games. If I said five words to my granddad, that was it. He barely spoke English. <laughs> You could have learned Italian. I did. Swear words. (laughs) Those are the five words you spoke to? You guys told each other to bleep off? Well, there were so many of them. Uh, So many grandkids that he had. Uh, So, uh, no. I don't think it matters. What's the difference? If Kelly left next week, or next month, I should say, or next no, week. next week next if they week, didn't make the playoff. Right. If okay, they didn't make the, the playoff, left what's next week. So they're going to get a major bowl, but he leaves next week. And but and I demand everything all season. I go play intramurals, buddy. You get two weeks off. You want more than that? Go play intramurals. So it's a and we heard Nick Ford, uh, Nick Ford on Monday talking mm-hmm. about. Well, I think it was him, right? The level of uh, time commitment that yeah. you're there and. All that yeah, stuff. Yeah, we were talking about all the work it takes yeah. to get to the point they're in now. Right. Where they're gearing question. up right, for right. one game it's, to win the conference. It's virtually your entire life. Yeah. And he went all the way back to winter conditioning. You finish the bowl game, you get a little downtime, and then it's winter conditioning. You're in the weight room. Right. And so that's your whole life. And he's going to leave, and the schedule is not complete. The season is not over. What what difference does it make? So so it's okay if it's a lesser bowl, but if it's a big bowl, yeah, no, just, I draw the line on that. That's but, hypocritical right there. Yeah, but it seems like we've gotten over that. <laughs> and maybe we'll get over this, but well, we haven't I'm gotten over, over this. We haven't gotten over this yet. Okay, you have, but you're a leader. And the, the followers, leader. the followers haven't gotten a over leader that. of nobody. I've left no legacy on this planet, nor will I. Nor will I. So I'm not a leader of anything. Not sure that's yeah, true. Well, it is that true, is. and you know damn well it's true. Oh, so, you want to argue about that now? I'm going to win. <laughs> Here, I, I just view it cynically because I view it for what it is. It, it is people trying to make as much money as they possibly can, and good for them. 
I would do the same thing. So I'm not upset at any of these folks, but I view it for what it is. And the fans get suckered in. He's our guy, man. He's a Utah man, to use an expression. And, yeah, unless something better comes along. And and here it doesn't look like with Kyle. So Kyle Kyle is the exception to a good extent. He is a Utah man. Good for you. But I'm just using it as an example, not as a literal. I mean, how do we – Mark Harlan, is, is he going to be here like Chris Hill-like? I would assume not. Right. I mean, as soon as you say like Chris Hill, I'm going to assume not. The national average is like five years for an athletic director. And Chris did how many years? 30. So six times the national average? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, pretty much I bet against anybody. I mean, Tom Homo's triple going on quadruple the national average, and I don't know that he's going to get to Chris Hill. Right, and then they had an assistant, but then they knew the new AD. Oh, sorry, assistant, you're gone. So uh, this is the way of the world, man. Once you step outside, be prepared for just about <laughs> it's anything. It's a cold wind blowing. It, it, it can and, be. And as much as we can sit here and crack on coaches, we've seen multiple coaches who've won it all. We've had an undefeated season, won the BCS or the playoff, whatever the format was at the time, and they've been gone in two years. How come you didn't do it again? And I don't think you can do it again watching you, so I'm not going to stick with you through this. No, they didn't believe him in the first. Auburn, yeah. Auburn and LSU both. Thanks for the national title. Psst, out the door. Psst, out the door. <laughs> 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 with all that money, because the contract is one way. You can walk, but if we let you go, we got to pay you. Yeah. And then some folks might have been upset that Charlie Brewer quit on a Monday, but he was a hired hand to begin with. But it's okay that Cam Rising quit on Texas. No problem there. That was at the end of the year. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the result is the same. I don't think he quit on them, so I don't care. He sought a better opportunity. This other young young fellow here, Costelli, gives up his senior year, his last portion of his senior year, which should be gravy, and just enjoying yourself to the utmost with your buddies. And he comes up here for what? For what? What point did it mean to him to lose his last Well, I guess of the summary year. of that would be um, he found out this was not the place. He couldn't have, what, couldn't have learned that here in the fall? Tuttle, cost him Tuttle a learned it, didn't he? Would have cost him a year. Yeah, Tuttle did. You're right. I mean, what do we mean it cost him a year? It would have cost him a year. He learned it a year earlier. If he would have come in August as opposed to January? I don't think so. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay, no, I'm, I'm with you. I got you now. Yeah. I just and you, You've got to come and compete, and, and, and you get the parents. Yeah, my kid's going to play in the pros. You see it with the parents all the time. All the time. I mean, you see them running around, and, and, and if their kid they think is something, and then, then they crash hard, and they get bitter. And they ultimately end up like me. That's the fun thing. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the club. <laughs> now, if you're Zach Wilson, good for you. You make it. But there's a slew of them that don't make it. And even if you make it, you can end up being bitter. I mean, John Beck made it, but he didn't make it. You know, he talks about how he had visions of playing till he was 40. 
He didn't even make it till he was 30. At some point, you're going to be told, thanks, the door's on your right. Now, you may be Tom Brady and be sitting on six, seven, or eight Super Bowls. Well, then you're fine. Ah, he'll still cry when it's over. It'll yeah, still, but, It always but, breaks your heart. And he'll have the uh, best story possible. Come on, we've seen Hall of Famers cry at the press conferences at the end. It was awesome. It's over, and well, it sucks. Y- yeah. Sure, because you're thinking about all, but it's not. I don't think it's the cry isn't necessarily out of bitterness. It's just the sentimentality of it all, and yeah, I get that. I appreciate that. That's why I like I like to listen to Hall of Fame speeches, because it's all about reflection. Uh, so, it is the whole system is just a grinder, and it's just you got to figure out how to play it to your advantage. And what? And you may, may, you may, 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 you may, may, you possibly could make wrong moves along the way. Eliminate the M's there. Easier to say. But in the, in a moment like this, Costelli kid and his parents probably thinking this is the right thing to do. Whether whether it is or not, I have no idea. But they think it is. So how do you judge them and say, well, and uh, Brewer, I, I knew from the beginning it wasn't good enough, and I and the spring game notwithstanding. It just didn't seem like he had it to me. And so he gets his father involved, and then they're out the door on the Monday. It seems slimy, but then they're doing what they think is best. So we have to realize as a group then, as fans, that it's all transactional. The warm feelings and all that stuff, that's basically just us for us. It's concocted uh, like fan adoration. The players are looking for the best opportunity to make themselves the best to get them to the NFL. Yeah. And the coaches are looking for the best payday before somebody walks into their office and tells them to get out. I don't care about you anymore. Or if they Hit think the they road, can win Jack. higher more at another place. Yeah. Which clearly what Kelly did. He's 12-1 and one and he's going to LSU. He thinks he can win bigger there. Probably can. You probably can. There's more football players per square mile in that part of the U.S. than there's a part of the U.S. he's coaching right now. Oh, Louisiana? You don't even need to go out of the state. No, you don't. There's awesome players in Louisiana. Yeah. But you still can go to Texas, especially now there's going to be two SEC teams in Texas. And it's right next door. Easily. So that's a whole lot different than getting people to fly up to South Bend and go to school there. Mm -hmm. Academic requirements are lower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are facts. Right. And then look how many titles the Big Ten and Notre Dame have over the last 20 years, and look how many SEC schools have I gotcha. over the last 20 years. Yeah. So, so I get where he's coming from at 60 years of age wanting to do this. David says, money, money, and more money. It makes you wonder if we will ever figure out that they have us fans figured out. Oh, that's the, that's the truth right there. And the fans get suckered in, man. There's going to be thousands of you driving down I-15 here at the end of the week. And if I was a fan of the program, I'd be doing it too. I'll be doing it from a But if a you have a good capacity. time, are you really suckered in? If you go down there with friends or family or meet up with friends or family or coming up from Phoenix or LA. And if you're suckered in, you don't care. Yeah. Even if you know you're suckered in, you don't care. Well, maybe you're not suckered in. It's a transaction and you're okay with it. Mm, yeah, I th- but I don't know. I, I think they view that these are our guys. There is a lot of that. I don't know that everybody does. That David doesn't. Mm. 
I don't know. I could right because I've won over a few converts. <laughs> Speaking your language, you now. are a leader. See, I'm not, not. not a well, leader. Well, if you've won over converts, you're a leader. You can't have it both no, ways. I just persist lo- lo- long and loud enough. That's what leadership is. Sometimes, my form of it. Don't follow me. Dylan Carley, former BYU wide receiver, joined us in 15 minutes right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It's been a wild ride for Blake Anderson and the Utah State Aggies as the Aggies have punched their ticket to the Mountain West Conference Championship game. The Aggies head to Southern California to square off against San Diego State for their first ever Mountain Mountain West West title. Catch all the play-by-play action this Saturday, beginning with the Aggie pregame show at noon, right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Zone Sports Network. Network. Join Unrivaled with Alex Curie and Scott Mitchell Friday from 3 to 6 at the Hot Tub Factory Outlet Holiday Sale in Draper next to Cowabunga Bay. 12101 Factory Outlet Drive. That's 121st South Factory Outlet Drive. Dylan Cauley's coming up. We're talking Cougar football, and we'll talk with him. A guy who's transferred and a guy who's seen coaching changes during his career. We'll talk with him about all the stuff going on as college football uh, <laughs> hits a whole new level in the coaching carousel. We'll do that coming up next. But first, the Jazz beat the Pelicans last night. Heading into December now with a 14-7 and record, which, while pretty good, it's a 55-win pace. Probably not what everyone expected or hoped for out of them so far. But as you've pointed out, there could be a big old 17-3 and tear coming. There have been enough of them in previous years under Quinn Snyder. There could be another one this year. That's not a stretch. But a lot of this is, well, look how they compare to the Suns and Warriors. The Suns on a 16-game win streak. The Warriors winning 90% of yeah, their games. Yeah, but they're games. not going to keep that up. So, so be within shouting distance So when they, when they don't keep it up. When they inevitably slip up and lose some games. Yeah. Is Chris could, Paul going to play 82? Is Curry going to play 82? Right now, the Suns are on pace for about 70 wins and the Warriors for 74. Oh, come on. I know, right. They've got to slow Th- that's, down. That's uh, Sosa, McGuire, and these dudes hitting 60 home runs. So that's if, steroid pace. So if they slow down a little and you speed up, then that three and a half games you're behind Phoenix and four and a half you're behind the Warriors could tighten up. And then beat them once in the playoffs on the road and you got home court. And we'd really like to see them go head to head, but uh, we get some games to get through before we get to that. They see the Warriors New Year's Day, and I don't know when they see the Suns, but it's after that. I hope to see the Suns every day. <laughs> <laughs> and even the regular season games don't guarantee what will they happen don't. in the playoffs, but it gives you a hint. Uh, to me, it's about the Jazz. It's not about the Warriors or the Suns yet. If we're in January, pushing February, and they're still rolling along at the 750-plus pace, well, okay, maybe something's there. Uh, but good for them. You know, and I haven't analyzed the schedules and who's had the softer and this and that and less back, fewer back-to-backs and all that stuff. Nor am I going to do that because it's all going to flush out at the end. I'm more focused on the Jazz playing the kind of ball that they can play. That's the most important thing because that really is where you're at. And if the season will end at some point, and if you say to yourself, well, you pretty much got about as much as you can get out of it, then you can live with it. I think the Suns losing in the finals last year pretty much got all that they could get out of it. I mean, it was a brand new team in a sense, the second year coach and uh, the integral part in the first season. So I can live with that. You know, you, what you don't want is the underachieving. And that's where Locke is always, you know, 
mm-hmm. making sure the Jazz don't underachieve because that's like the worst thing that can happen is underachieve, right? And let's see where they're at. To me, it's about the team that I focus on and how they play. And against Portland, they played so well, and they did the things that make them successful. That's the most important thing. We all see these teams. If you watch a team as much as we all do, listeners included, we know how they win, right? And so we see, I think, the Portland game, and maybe because it's fresh in my mind, was about the best example of how they are comprised to win games. The formula for the Jazz. It was on full display against a halfway decent team. And what made it sweeter is the club hasn't been playing that well of late. So they did. That's a big time positive sign is to see them play well and put together a couple of games. To see that New Orleans loss to just really, really irritate them and, and they're pretty good, especially Mitchell. You know, you can see it in his facial expressions and whatnot. Conley's more of an even dude, win or lose. You know, he's the, he's the savvy veteran guy. Because he is the savvy yeah, veteran guy. He's not going to go crazy either way, you know. So he's going to be analytical in his responses. Uh, and, and Quinn Snyder's the leader, so he has to be careful not to have extreme highs or lows himself. And so you expect that. Mitchell, Mitchell is about the... Of all the guys on the team, he's about the most vulnerable and the most real. He swears a lot now in the post game. He, you know, he didn't used to do that. I'm personally, I'm offended. You are not. <laughs> You're in favor. Of you were also offended Saturday night when a certain student section was also chanting. That's out of line. I mean, you should never do that. But you can dump on that group of people. That's been proven a thousand times over. Uh, no, I appreciate his honesty. And so he sort of wears the emotion a little bit out there. And you could tell he was irritated, right? So what do they do? They come back and they just destroy two opponents. That's positive. Now do it 18 more times. 18, put together a 20-game winning streak. Wow, that would Okay, you don't have to do a 20-game winning streak. 20-game winning streaks. That's pretty impressive. And the Suns are at 16, but it was preceded by a 1-3. and so it just doesn't matter to me whether you win 16 in a row. Oh, yeah, and I listen to Phoenix Radio. The... They were calling to fire Monty Williams at 1-3. and three. <laughs> Were they really? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. <laughs> that would be outrageous. No, but there was a little concern, obviously. Well, there should be concern. When you lose three out of four, there should be concern. And you're a finals team, yeah, and then you right. roll out 16 in a row? Well, it, you think you're a finals team. Now, they are obviously well, they coming a off a of finals, team. and they think they're going to do it again, but the Jazz have not been to the finals. But they think they're a finals team, and if they lose three out of four and they lost five out of nine, there should be concern. But concern isn't the same thing as calling for somebody to be fired. No, I was just uh, making a, you know, that that's outrageous. I think the Suns got, uh, they've got uh, the Warriors coming up here. I'm looking at the schedule. I'm going to call up the schedule right now. Uh, yeah. Yeah, there it is. As TNT. Recently, as tonight. Tonight, 8 o'clock. Yeah, TNT. I'm going to be watching that ball game. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. College football, the coaching carousel, $100 million for you, $100 million for you. USC and LSU stealing coaches from Oklahoma and Notre Dame. Is there any loyalty? Do the players care? Are they getting taken? Dylan Cauley, former BYU wide receiver, joins us next. We'll ask him. Stay with us.